When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, dear listeners. Welcome to a new episode of the Partida Partido podcast. It's been over a month since we recorded a new episode, and thankfully, we are here to give you what we want. So, over that period, we have had a um, case come up against Barcelona for them giving money to the refin not to favor them. Then, we have had um, Aleti been very good. And we have had a lot of all other things like Cadiz doing very well at home. And there have been there's been a lot going on around La Liga. And then you also have um, the host of the part board, which is Ata. And sadly, he is not, he will not be long, he is longer, he will not be part of the podcast again because for personal reasons, he's going to be a huge loss. But well, for that, I'm here. And to record this new episode, I'm joined by Kelf. I think he's been the one who have been with me in the last three episodes. So, Kelf, how are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Well, I've been better, but I think I'm good. So, Kelf, um, this, just before we started recording, we were talking about how this weekend action in La Liga was really, really great. And then last night, we had um, Sevilla versus Arsenal, which was bonkers. And there have been a lot of goals this weekend, especially, and a lot of good games. So, among all the games, uh, which was your favourite? Blimey. Um, as you said, Severe Osasuna was 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 crazy. I didn't expect the game to be that open, particularly for the fact that Osasuna have got the cup semi-final midweek. But credit to them, they've put in an incredible performance and got a result. I liked Valencia against Real Sociedad. Uh, they played well and showed what they needed to do in their in their relegation battle. The Madrid derby was interesting and but yeah, probably the biggest biggest surprise was probably Almeria's fantastic response. You have to say to what happened last week, conceding six against Girona, to then keeping a clean sheet against Barca. Uh yes, for sure. Almeria beating Barcelona was fantastic, and it showed what could have happened. In my opinion, had many teams yeah taking their chances against Barcelona, but it also I think Xavi's lineup kind of played into their hands because. Uh, you have um, the pace, the strength of um, Bilaturi and Suarez against Eric Garcia and Chris Tessin. And in my opinion, if that centre-back duo was Kunde and Araujo, then I don't. I think things could have turned out differently. But, well, it is what it is. And um, you have the game 
against uh, bit the game for LG Betis where I think the referee really had a a poor outing. You had penalties, red cards, and that's really bad. I think uh, there's a stat that says that um, La Liga is the league with the most red cards this season, which kind of shows you how bad or good, depending on you, because as compared to other leagues, it's really high. I think the second should be the French league. So, so that's well, that's a, like a, a little recap of the weekend. And I think in the top eight, just Betis was the only team that team that won in the top eight, which shows how the race for the Champions League places and Europe is really tight in Ladiga, and then the relegation zone is really tight. I think the only team I think everybody can confirm at the moment that is going down is Celci. Yep. So talking about the referee in Kev, I think I asked mm-hmm. this before and you kind of told me um, that in Spain is not as bad as compared to the UK, but it's as if um, each week we have a lot of these controversies and in my opinion, I think the controversy is because some of the refs, I don't know what's happening, but it's as if they don't want to use VAR or some of them kind of are confident in the decision you make, even though VAR is there to help them. It's called visual standard for a moment. So what's your opinion on the refereeing and what do you think can happen? I know this is redundant, but it's due to the circumstances and what is happening in La Liga. Every week we have one or two things that bring a lot of controversy. We had the offside go, I think, Elche against Cardi's game. So, what's your opinion on the issue? Um, I think, first of all, I think there's definitely been an improvement um, after the World Cup. I think... Um, I do believe that they are better than the referees in England. That's just my opinion. People, Lots of people don't like that, but... Um, but I do generally believe that. I think they're I think the use of VAR I think is even better than than in England. Um, um but yes, of course you'll get mistakes and and stuff like that happen most weeks. I do think that there may be a thing of maybe too many red cards, but I think a lot of the red cards from I don't know the actual stats, but I'm just thinking from my memory, a lot of them are second yellows and then reds. So that that conditions it a little bit, but in general, I I think um, yes, yeah, sure, of course you have really bad referees, and there's a couple, but you have that in every league. But I I think in general that there has been an improvement since the World Cup because we've actually we've even seen games, even from someone like Matteo Lahoz, who's very card happy, and I and, and I've watched a couple of his recent games, and he hasn't even booked anyone, so. I think there definitely has been an improvement from the World Cup. Some of the decisions this week are controversial, but I generally think the majority were were okay. I think the games are being allowed to flow more, but unlike in the Premier League, there is a balance of like when there's an actual foul, the card comes out because in the Premier League, the games just flow and flow and flow. And yet, you, you're, particularly when I watch Brighton, I see five or six occasions where there should be fouls given and nothing is given. And I promise you in the Premier League, we're going to see two or three players with broken legs before the end of the season if things don't change. Wow, that's quite a statement. But well, I think um, it all boils down to the English FA kind of trying to want to improve um, or the, the ball time in play where a little amount of stoppages. But like you said, finding the balance is key for any league in order to maintain that entertainment. Yeah, I think- I just, well, yes. Yeah, yeah, I think 
there has to be a balance between what people, what a lot of people think happens all the time in Spain, which it doesn't, and what's happening now in the Premier League. And I think neither league has found the balance, but I think La Liga are getting there better than the Premier League as of right now. Things can change in the next few weeks, but I generally believe that in terms of the refereeing, I'm personally happier with what I'm seeing in La Liga than what I see in the Premier League. Well, so uh, I guess you are saying La Liga they protect players more than yes. in the Premier League because I I am this weekend I think among, among Chelsea fans or maybe some Premier League fans commenting about the fact that Felix will have to get used to maybe staying on his feet and not this is not La Liga where every foul is gonna be blown and the rest I think well maybe you have a point on that note and as for Mitchell I was I think after the the Barcelona debut where he had a disaster class I think from that game he has been fantastic because I don't know what happened maybe Tebas and Co spoke to him but well he's been really really great so hopefully the refereeing can improve because uh, you kind of have the controversy in the Madrid debut as well we don't want to talk about that because technically we can use the whole day to talk about that because you have um, a referee which I think many Aleti fans or many La Liga fans consider as pro-Madrid and his record when Real Madrid plays really interesting. Maybe coincidence or maybe not. Who knows? So we have to dive into the Madrid derby where he ended one all and like I just mentioned there was a controversy where Hange Korea was sent off. And to be honest, I think Aleti's last two performances in the derby have been great. So Kelf can you talk us through the derby, the tactical points, and where Angelotti struggled a bit, or where Simeon had the upper hand? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, first of all, to start with, um, I just want to send my best wishes to Ronaldo, who's picked up an awful injury, um, unfortunately. Um, he's going to be out for a while, so hopefully he can recover and, and come back, because he's so important to the way you guys defend for me he's one of the best left backs in the league so hopefully he can he can um, come back soon but to start with I thought you guys first 10 minutes played played well good uh, pressed Madrid high to try and prevent them building from the back as the half went on you guys dropped dropped deeper to to try and contain Madrid and to a degree that worked Madrid got to your to the final third relatively easy but I think overall you guys cope with that well when they got there I thought Savic and Hermoso were fantastic um, at the back I thought Barrios was excellent in the first half I, I, I don't know if you guys know whether he came off with um, any injury because it, I was absolutely shocked when the board went up at half time and he came off for Correa um, it was interesting in the first half that when Oblak had to kick long, it was mainly towards Griezmann and Saul was given the licence to to kind of play out front with him at times in a 4-4-2, which um, didn't, didn't make too much sense to me. As, as I've mentioned to you privately, I, I couldn't understand why Morata didn't start. I think tactically it would have helped you guys in so many ways if, if the plan was to be more direct it would have enabled, I think, Griezmann to be more of his natural position. And I think you would have caused Madrid more problems and maybe, hindsight's a wonderful thing, maybe you would, you would have won the game. But you defended well, relatively good on the ball when you had it, needed to keep it for a bit longer. Um, good in the second half. 
a bit more aggressive in midfield. It wasn't as easy for Madrid to get through. Um, and of course, when when you went down to 10 men, you're conditioned by that, but you score a good goal from a set piece. Um, Madrid came came back into it, got the equaliser, but Madrid didn't really have many clear chances. So from, from a defensive point of view, I thought you did very well. Just maybe needed to, to have a bit more quality on the ball in those counter-attacks to, to have better chances. Well, Kev, uh, like you said, uh, Alexi really played better and Cholo got, I would say, maybe things spot on. And as for Morata, I think um, him trained, I think he trained just uh, one time during the week and that's why he was not able to start. And as for Barris, I think Cholo is not trying to put a lot of pressure on him and he's trying to kind of, um, I would say, minimize the way he uses him, give him the minute he needs to grow, but give him just enough. And uh, you talked about um, Aleti doing well defensively, and I think uh, the key battle in that game, I think everybody knew it was uh, Vinicius versus Molina. Yeah. Because I think it was a, it was a two-way battle. Because Aleti had to look for a way to refuse uh, Vinicius from having uh, 1v1s, and that worked perfectly because in the first half, it was a 4-4-2, which can turn into a 5-3-2, depending on what where the boy is. And yeah. Surprisingly, Cholo went for Lorente and Griezmann up top, and that was bizarre because I was thinking um, Lorente was to be the one to help Molina out. But Barrios did a fantastic job kind of stepping in to ensure that he was not having one v ones or Savage coming in. And like you said, Savage had a fantastic game. I think maybe he, he watched the game from the, in the derby in the cup and he kind of like, this is my time to outshine this guy and be it open space or in one v ones which was created <clears throat> excuse me later on in the second half. He did fantastic against him. And Vinny also, I need to give him some credit because his positioning when Aleti had position kind of, I will not say limited, but kind of affected Aleti's attack because there were many occasions where Aleti kind of, especially in the first half, built up play on the left and had to switch to somebody attacking the space they have created on the right. But Vinny's presence kind of limited Molina. And there was a time, I think, yeah. I can't remember the minute, where he was about to advance and you have Savage telling him to be mindful of Vinicius Jr. around him. And... That was really an interesting battle, which I would say, in my opinion, Aleti came out on top in that place because uh, Molina had Molina and Savage had a great time over over Vini, and though it wasn't the attacking phase, but Vini was kept quiet, and that's that's really fantastic, and he was kept yeah. quiet without, let's say, what we have been seeing in previous week where you have the the crowd don't team and the rest. It was quite nice seeing that, and um, like you said, um, Aleti could have maybe hold on to the ball much longer. That's what I was especially especially after what I saw in the Copa bed. Nevertheless, I think Aleti did well, especially after going down to 10 men. And like you said, his calling from a set piece was really great because he brought back memories of the Aleti side, who we all know were very, very good in set piece. And she said after the game that we can we, we can create chances from all over. And scoring from a set piece was great for the team because it's been a long time since Aleti done that. But then again, we consider from a set piece, which kind of showed Aleti's how Aleti has been, in, let's say, since they won the Europa League, which has kind of been a downhill for them, dominating both boxes in set pieces. And Griezmann had another fantastic game, and that was just just so 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 good for me because he is key for Aleti. And like you said, Renido is a fair, is a huge loss because with Renido, I think Aleti were confident in neutralizing the, any attacks Real Madrid had on their right hand side. Because no matter the opposition opponent or maybe even two v one, he is great at covering it. And 
that's really a huge loss for Atleti because you have Regulon on the back of left back. He's now injured, and then you have him now injured. It, I don't know what Cholo is going to do. Maybe he also starts there in the next game against Sevilla, which is an important game. Who knows? So we have to talk about our opening Real Madrid because we just saw them battered. That means I literally they, they they really tore through Liverpool in the midweek. That was five three, and I was like, wow, this is the guys you are going to face face on Saturday. And then the derby came and something else. But then there's this um, thing which is going around Twitter, and it's the fact that Real Madrid are very talented, and if you give them open space, they kill you. But then in La Liga, you have teams have kind for them because you notice there are two types of Real Madrid. I think you agree with me on that. The one who plays in Europe and the one who plays in La Liga. And before the game, we were talking about the fact that Brighton does well against... Uh, before sorry, before we started recording, we were talking about Brighton does well against the big team where they kind of press high and they can play their way through them. But for against the smaller team, it's difficult to beat them, to press them. And I think that's a similar thing with Real Madrid. But in the fact that in the Champions League, you have bigger teams which they give them a lot of open space. And Real Madrid, I, I think I would say they thrive in careers. They try to make chaotic moments of game and thrive in it. So, Kev, what's your opinion on the fact that Real Madrid struggle in La Liga due to the fact that Teams are aware of their talent and don't want to give them space, but in Europe they kind of do well because team gives them that opportunity to do well. Yeah, I think you've you said it perfectly. Um, Madrid struggle as lots of possession teams do. Barcelona do when teams defend deep, they limit the space. Um, it was easier for Madrid in the first half because. As I mentioned, I, I don't think that there was enough pressure or, a, or 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 that right aggression in midfield from you guys to win the ball. I think it was there in the second half. I'm sure Simeone uh, had said that, and and as you said, in terms of of how good Molina was in terms of coping quite well with Vinny one v one with Llorente helping, or even in the first half, Barrios came across on, on a few occasions and helped. As, as well. But going back to Real, yeah, I think they struggle when teams defend deep because there's not the space to run into. They have lots of shots from the from the outside of the box from the likes of Chiamini and Valverde and Benzema drops off, but teams have become acute to that. So in the past, when Benzema would drop off, a centre-half would follow and it would open the space for a Vinny, Rodrigo, Valverde or whoever, whereas teams now go, no, let Benzema drop into midfield. One of the midfielders can pick him up and they keep the back three, back four, back five, whichever setup uh, the opposition decides to, decides to use against Madrid. And as you mentioned, in Europe, particularly with the bigger sides, they feel they can go toe-to-toe with Madrid, exactly like Liverpool, because Liverpool don't play any other way. And particularly in midfield, Liverpool just don't have the energy to press. So it's... so. It, it, when Madrid got one, when Madrid got hold of the ball, it was easy. It was easy when you've got the quality they had in midfield to play for it, to to find players like Vinny in 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 space, either to give the ball to 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 his feet or to play it in behind for him to run onto, which you guys did very well in not allowing that space for him to run running behind. So Vinny was having to come a bit shorter or to stay really wide and then drive inside. But then he's driving in, he's dribbling in towards Atletico Madrid players. So it was never going to be easy. Um, probably the biggest disappointment for you guys is that you is that even though you scored from a set piece, you conceded from one, and both set piece goals are, are virtually identical. They're both crosses into the into the box. They're both uh, both teams defending in zonal systems. A player, in your case, Jimenez, in their case. Um, 
Alvaro making a run from deep and heading it unchallenged and heading into the back of the net. Well, uh, that's true. Um, Kel- <coughs> Excuse me. Kel- um, there's a saying with there's um, I think um, kind of among Real Madrid fans where they are saying um, in, like you said, most position teams struggle against uh, deep blocks. And um, mm-hmm. there's a saying that is going around about the fact that um, Carlo is more of a man manager than a tactician, where he can, he's kind of able to manage the big egos around and kind of create an environment for their talents to thrive and gives them a lot of freedom to do so. But now in La Liga, they are struggling and then uh, you have this saying saying uh, Real Madrid needs a more like a tactical approach where they have to be able to break down those teams. And like you said, they are really, most teams are aware of how they do things when they defend a deep block, especially their left hand dynamics where you have um, Benzema, Vinicius, Modric or Menzi, where you talked about Benzema dropping to the center half, following him and then attacking the space or their link up or combination in that area. I think we, they, I think it's from last season where teams started discovering that and Sevilla did a very fantastic job when playing against them. And this season, I think that's been a team where everybody is shutting down that side. And then on the other side, it's like, it's Doman and there's no one there. So do you think um, for Real Madrid to maybe improve winning La Liga or maybe transform some of their form to La Liga, something needs to change. I'm not saying they should sack Carlo. I don't really give a damn what they do, but what do you think needs to change for them to be able to transform that European form or mentality into La Liga? Because to be honest, this day and night when they play in the league and when they play in Europe. Um, I don't think they have to do many things dramatically. I think they need to 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 play better. That's the first thing. Um. They need to be a bit more clinical, particularly when Benzema's not around, because it's not like they don't create chances. They have chances. But when it's um, Rodrigo or, or, or someone else through the middle, they're just not that clinical edge that when Benzema is there, you give Benzema half a chance and it's a goal. You give someone like Rodrigo and Vinny half a chance, they may take it, but they may not because they're still improving and they still need to be consistent. I also think the other thing Madrid need to do when particularly, and this is a main thing against playing against teams that defend deep is, and there was a lot of cases for it in the Madrid derby. They have to move the ball a lot quicker. A lot of occasions it was, it was slow. It was, and when you're building up with the goalkeeper and the two centre halves, that's okay. But as you transition into midfield for the quality they've got as well, that they just have to move the ball a bit quicker to unsettle, to unsettle that, how well organised the opposition is. They maybe have to become a little bit more unpredictable and maybe, as you said, switching the play more to, to the right because if you know that Real Madrid are attacking down the left and it, particularly in, in the recent game against Osasuna, they had literally every attack, it was down the left to Vinny. And that, and, that, and that is understandable because of the quality, the individual quality Vinny has if you can isolate the full-back. But it's also so obvious as well that teams just know right we need to defend that side because Real Madrid we know won't play to the other side even though on the other side on that occasion I think they had Nacho and Fede Valverde two in my opinion fantastic players so I think the main thing is just Madrid just need to move the ball a bit quicker in midfield um, maybe teams like Madrid and Barca have to be a bit more 
happier to, when they get wide to put crosses into the box, quality crosses as well, not just hitting it from from any angle, maybe getting to the byline more and, and either cutting it back or just chipping it into an area, particularly um, Barcelona and Madrid because they've got Lewandowski and Benzema and you guys can do it very well when, when Morata plays it because there's many occasions in there when you had Griezmann asking for it, but he's up against Militao and Rudiger. He's never going to win the ball in the air. I remember one spell in the first half where Saul kept appearing wide on the left, looking to cross, didn't want to, and kept passing it and kept recycling it. And then you guys gave it up. And then I think I think Saul lost it and Madrid had a free kick. So that's just a couple of things. But the, the, the main thing specifically for Madrid is, is just moving the ball quicker. Because if, if you play at a high enough tempo, you can be the best defence in the world. But if you pass the ball and move that and play one, two touch like Madrid can do, you won't be able to cope with it. Well, hopefully they don't do that. But well, like you said, if they do that, then they are going to do they'll definitely improve how they play and maybe their form also in the league. So enough about Madrid and whatever they are doing, and back to Aliti. So, Kelf, um, yeah. since the World Cup, um, Aliti has really had things have turned around, performances, players have improved, and uh, it's been really, really good. And I I don't know if it's a coincidence or whatever, but the general Tramfamido came and Aliti kind of sold some players and they brought in just a, a single player. But from my viewing, that's from my outsider's view, point of view i think there's a lot of calm in the dress in the dressing room and there's a lot of positive energy and the three players who left were two of them were brazilians and one of them was portuguese and all they all speak they all speak portuguese and i don't know but i kind of have the feeling that um that's why the fact that cholo's tactics were not the best before the World Cup and also some players on that performing i kind of had the feeling that there was also a little bit of unrest in the dressing room because you had gilmarie saying uh, Felix and uh, Simeon, there's an issue between them. They don't see football the same way. And then um, you also have um, another one who just came out. It's a rumor about Lodi and Simeon. So I don't know. I'm just hypothesizing and I may be very, very wrong because I'm not in the dressing room. But it felt like um, since those guys left and they have been a positive thing. Because also Kunya, when he also left, I think they have been four departures, not um, three years, three departures. Kunya, when he also left, and I think when Felix, like, he kind of made a comment about the fact that um, Felix has to enjoy his football, and he also has that saying his son can never try for it. He's doing the type of thing. I don't know, but I think um, ignoring maybe the tactics, the tactics, um, you kind of, I don't know, I'm getting the, a positive vibe from the dressing room, and I don't know if you see that too, because in the press conferences, to be honest, you kind of see Simeon smiling more from where the players are speaking. I don't know, but that's the vibe I get. What about you? Well, I think it's clear that Simeone is uh, happier with the, with the squad he's got. He's obviously wanted a few people to be moved on, and that's clearly happened. Um, I don't think before going before the World Cup, Simeone didn't help himself by changing system every five minutes. It seemed like it was I was laughing a lot of the time because I couldn't believe what he was doing because... Basically, the basic way to explain it is pre-World the world, is pre -World Cup, players kept looking over the bench in terms of what system are we playing now, what are we doing, because we haven't got a clue. Whereas now, and it's not rocket science really, he's predominantly played a back four, predominantly been maybe 4-4-2, 4-3-3, three, three, 
He's kept it to a couple of systems. He's generally had it as a back four. I know in the Madrid derby, he tweaked it to a back five on a couple of occasions, but it's not rocket science really. He's kept the same similar system. He's kept the strong foundations. When they've been available, he's mainly played the same defenders. There's a continuity there. And you're playing better. It's it's quite simple, really. I mean, I, 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 go, I, go, I go back to the end of last season with Simeone, was doing those changes, and he said, don't worry, I've learned. And um, that won't happen next season. Well, it's clearly six months too late. But I'm glad that he's kind of finally woken up to what he needed to do to, to keeping things a bit more simple and and just having a structure there that, the players clearly prefer now and, and like. It's not perfect, in my opinion, but it, it, it's far better. There's a clearer idea. You're playing better when, you, when you're you building from the back a bit more, which is always nice to see. You're playing, you're playing in general, better on the ball, better quality. Griezmann is clearly happier and has been outstanding. I think Koke's been better, Hermoso's been better, Molina's been much better since the World Cup. Um, he's been given licence to go forward, which again is not rocket science. If you watched him in the World Cup, it's basic. You, he needs to be allowed to do that. Ronaldo's given the balance on the other side. It'll be interesting to see how, how Simeone reacts to the fact that, of course, now that Ronaldo's not available. Will Will Regulon play left back, or will he put Mario Hermoso out there, or even Saul? Because they're the options that you've got. Um, yes, I think it's it's just been more settled, more basic. But there's clearly improvement. There's a bit more attacking intent, and yeah, I'm pretty sure. I think I think since the World Cup, you guys are second in the form table after the World Cup. So, in theory, it should only should only get better. Well, like you said, um, Simeon finally decided on um, what he wants to do. That's the structure. I think you as a Brazil fan, you know that very well, where the team kind of have a standard way of playing and a standard structure where even if there may be variance, but the core remain the same. And that was what was missing and around Aliti for a season and a half now, but like you said, Alit Simeon has finally found that. And um, some of the key things that we have um, seen tactically, which were already there, but they are kind of strengthened, and he himself has admitted to it, was the fact that no matter who plays on the right bed, we always want the, the right to be vertical. We want it to be fast yeah. when we are on the right. We want a combination play and it to be fast and where we can create crosses into the box and chances to the box. And I think that was very visible in the game against Valladolid, where Correa, Lorente, and Molina were playing there. Even in the Magic Derby in the Cup, where that's where the goal came from. And he said on the right, on the left, we want more combination play and want more qualitative superiority, where we are able to create one v one for, be it Lemar, Carrasco, whoever plays there, one more position play, and that is all that to, to kind of make sure things are good on the on the right where we can switch play to. And um, Renido, I would say Renido's injury is quite a very it's a very big blow because in since the World Cup he's he's kind of had a more defensive role and Chula has admitted that that Renido he is asking that he wants to attack more but for the good of the team he kind of have a more defensive role. I don't know if you have noticed but in most of the games Aleti has played post World Cup um you kind of have him playing like an inverted fullback where he kind of provides yeah. um, cover and solidity for the team. 
and him now being injured, I don't know if him also will have that role because Cholo plays him there because his recovery is one of the best, if not the best in La Liga. And in duels, he's very good. So that kind of affects Aliti really, really bad because him and him also coming to the team kind of gave the balance. Aliti lacked pre-work up because I think there was a pre before the work up, you had stages where he was not even in the team and you have Carrasco, you have Reglon guys going there. And now things are now uh, settled and, and it's now injuries are coming to rip things apart because we can talk about Rodrigo's De Paul from transforming from the World Cup to the league, which has been great. And maybe in my, in my opinion, I think him not playing the derby kind of affected Cholo's tactics a bit and Aliti could not maybe reproduce what they did in the cup because I don't think Cholo kind of trusts um, Barrios so much that he can give him a very um, responsible passing role that in the center of the pitch. And another tactical thing we have seen is Griezmann. So this was something that was existing before the cup, but it was not really consistent. And then Griezmann goes to the World Cup as a polyvalent role where he's kind of almost everywhere on the pitch and then he's back and we don't even know where his best position. In the game against Athletic, Griezmann started as a nine. Later on, he went to the right as a right winger. Later on, he came into midfield and then you have him playing as a left winger from where he scored and then as a left wing back. So, Kelf, where is Griezmann's best position? Where can he influence the team? Or where, what is his best role? Or should Cholo just let him have the fun he's having now? Um, I think Griezmann, um, in my opinion, his best position is as a, as a number 10 and or, or in that kind of hybridy 8-10 role that he had with France. But if Griezmann wants the licence to, to drop over to the right and to the left, then you need to give him that because he's your best player. He's your most creative player. The team doesn't function well, particularly on the ball when he's not there. He's, his first touch is, 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 is incredible. His passing is, is fantastic. His vision is brilliant. Um, that's, prob- that's partly why I was confused for the fact that he was kind of the main striker um, against Real Madrid because for me that's not the best way that's not the way to get the best out of him I think it's to play just off a striker like a, a Depay uh, like a Memphis or, or a Morata um, I think Griezmann plays a lot better when he does have that reference I don't think there's any shot that Griezmann's best minutes in the Madrid derby were towards the end of the game when Morata came on because Morata can, can compete with the centre-halves he can be he can win stuff in the air. Griezmann's got, as he proved for the uh, goal, he's got an excellent cross on him. So I don't know why Cholo didn't think, well, if we can get Griezmann dropping into wide areas, putting the ball in the box for Morata, then you're going to score. I know you mentioned for the fact Morata only had one day of training, but I still, me, me being me, I would have started him because I think it's critical for the way you guys play. You need a proper striker, a proper number nine, and you've only really got one. Um, Memphis can do it a bit but there's only really really one but yeah I think Griezmann's best position is wherever he wants to be for me it's it's in the middle of the pitch getting on the ball dictating the game getting the ball off the likes of, of, of Koke and, and playing forward and and the other reason why I like him century is that as he, as he proved a little bit in, in the goal last week against Athletic is he has the ability to drive at teams through the middle and Take take defenders on. He's not afraid to do that. Is 
his balance is very good in able. He can go either side. He is predominantly left-footed, but he can use his right if he needs to. And yeah, I just think Griezmann's been exceptional since the World Cup. Maybe probably the best player in La Liga across the whole league right now. But um, I do think he plays better when Morata's there. So in my opinion, that Morata. So this is just my opinion. You can you can think I'm wrong. In my opinion, to get the best out of Griezmann, the first thing that needs to happen is Morata, Memphis, or Correa. Even someone has to play as as the main striker to give him the freedom to go where he wants. So you're basically saying to get the best out of Griezmann, Aliti has to go back to how they were, how the team they were when he joined and where he played alongside Costa and the rest, where he has the freedom, where he had the freedom to kind of make runs in behind and win and be on the end of the second balls. But now this yes. case, in this case now, we have him um, dropping deep and then influencing the play from deep or even playing further forward. Well, hopefully... For I don't know the amount of time I've asked the Aliti board can get a striker in because Aliti indeed needs a striker. And the problem is we need a center forward, not just any type, but a one that can play yeah. to Chulismo. I think Aliti will link with them Vlahovic some few seasons ago, but sadly things didn't work out and he went to Juventus instead. That was really sad. But hopefully Aliti gets someone in and there are already rumors of going for Turam, which I'm not a fan of because Turam and Memphis are very identical. So the transfer system already has not been the best i think that's now four years now hopefully things change somehow because if chulu is staying therefore things have to change but the issue now will be the question is will this be his last year and if this is last year we bring in players that will suit him and then he leaves so hopefully that is sorted out and luckily i'm not at the top to be making those decisions so we, we talked about koke and hemoso's performance being great and cholo himself has mentioned the fact that these two players have kind of had an impact on how aliti used the ball so playing koke more deep has always brought criticism of the fact that he does not have the legs columbia half to win the duels recover balls but after the World Cup, he has been playing as the holding midfielder in a kind of similar way i can say busquets as a barcelona where he's the one detecting the play and Hermoso's coming with his ball, and then that's just been fantastic. Because Cholo said, what Hermoso gives to us is what we saw in the title winning season. But now, he has been doing it really, really well. So do you think for Hermoso, is this a purple patch? And for Koke, do you think he needs to play more often or Aliti needs to bring in someone in the summer to play alongside him and give him a little bit more freedom to go forward? Um... First of all, on Hermoso, I think the fact that you guys are playing from the back a bit more suits him because that's his best um, asset, probably. He's very good on the ball. He's left-footed, which gives you the balance of a left-footed and a, a right-footed centre-half. It depends on how you want to use Koke. I personally prefer Koke in the role he's got now, being deeper, getting on the ball, dictating the play. He's, he's, his switch of play, particularly when he gets it from Hermoso, we saw it a few times in Madrid derby. Hermoso plays into him and he switches it to the right to uh, Molina or Llorente. I think he's fantastic. Um, um, yeah, Koke maybe doesn't have the, the ability to get around the pitch or doesn't maybe have the greatest ball-winning ability as someone as Kadogbia does. But for me, I would play Koke. I would play... In terms of on the ball, I would have Koke dropping deep on his own, like you mentioned, like Busquets does in like a... Let's say it's like a, a 4-4-2 out of possession, but like a 4-3-3 in possession because then Griezmann can drop to be 
that third midfield role like he did with France. Koke can drop to being on his own because I generally think, particularly in possession, I think Koke prefers that. I don't think Koke likes being next to someone. I could be wrong. That's just the impression I get when I watch him. When Koke's allowed to drop and then you've got someone like a DePaul or a Barrios, who I do think, I know you've mentioned about the fact that Cholo's trying to be careful and I don't think you need to be. I think he has the I think he has the ability right now to be one of your most important players if if he's given a bit of confidence and given more time to because his ability on the ball is fantastic. He's got good aggression in winning the ball back. He's his his close his ability uh in close control. So when people are closing him down quickly, he can get out of that very, very well. That's why I was very disappointed to see that Barrios came off at, at half time. But I think you've got you've got a midfield there with other and you've got Urente who can play a hybrid role, a bit like what Valverde and, and Gavi are doing. He, he can be narrow, he can be wider, and he can run in behind. You've then got someone like Carrasco or, or even maybe Memphis on the left with Morata as a striker. So that's kind of what I would do, but we know Cholo's different. But just going back to to Koke, allowing him having a structure that enables him to have the ball as much as poss- as much as possible is the best way, in my opinion, to use Koke. Now, some people can think, as you mentioned, that Koke can be better higher up the pitch. Um, and that's certainly possible. I prefer him deeper. I prefer him, as I've mentioned, getting on the ball and, and starting the build-up. And I prefer that for Hermoso as well. And, and it would be interesting to see if if Hermoso is used in that kind of inverted fullback role that Raniolo has been used to, to to be narrow, to give the left flank to to a Carrasco for him to, to to defend more, to give balance to the team, which most teams are doing now. Most teams don't send both fullbacks on at the same time. They'll send one and keep one back. And um, to give that balance, to prevent teams hurting you on the counter-attack, so yeah, so yeah, I think those two have been fantastic, and Athletic need to keep playing the way that they are. And if you keep doing that, then I think you'll keep seeing good performances, particularly from the likes of Hamosa and Koke. Well, um, for Koke, I agree with everything you say, and I personally think a higher version of, a, sorry, a younger version of Koke would have been the one playing for that forward, and maybe when I say for that forward, but in the middle and not out wide, but well. Like you said, Cholo sees things differently and hopefully things can work out for Aliti and Aliti can get back to where they are because this season has really been a miserable one and same for last season. And um, talking about build up from the back, I think uh, that's something we have seen more often, like you said, but I think um, Oblak kind of puts that, let me not say in danger, but it kind of limits that because um, I think the game against Osasuna, the game was more chaotic because of Oblak and that was quite bad because I it's it's sad that he has not really improved his footwork, especially with the way the game is involving. He's an outstanding shortstop, one of the best I've ever seen in my life. And it, the best version of Oblak, I think, is the best goalkeeper in the world. But now you have him on the ball and he's kind of limited. It's really, really bad because in the game against Osasuna, he limits the team a lot. You have maybe simple passes, but then he keeps on going long. And one of the things that annoys me is because... Uh, when Morata is not there, you are you have him going long. I kind of ask myself, who are you going long to? It's true, this man is good in exactly. the air, but, but you don't have the guys up top to win that ball. So 
we don't know what will happen this summer, but I think there are things about Atletic. I think a lot of changes happening to the squad, and he may be one of those where we don't know, but let's see, because I wouldn't mind letting so many players from the squad leave this um, summer. So, Kelly, um, I want to ask you, um, and this Atletic's performances have been great, and the form is kind of good, like you said, the second in La Liga, and that's the table form. Um, what, how do you, how will you compare this to the um, I think um, post pandemic team that um, we saw the rebirth of Lorente before the title winning team? That's I think uh, the twenty the twenty nineteen twenty season where you had the break the pandemic break and after the pandemic break, Aliti were just fantastic. Do you see any similarities between both sides? Because I for one know um, this one is uh, that that of. The 2019-20 season after the pandemic, you had the more vertical side. What are the similarities? Do you see any? Um, th- th- there are a few. I think coming back from from a break, like in one case the pandemic, in this case the World Cup, does seem to be does seem to be something that that Simeone and Atleti do to do seem to be good at. Um, I personally think the team is. Probably slightly better now, but probably the, the the team at that time probably suited Simeone more for what he likes. And and going back to your point with with Oblak in terms of not being great with the ball at his feet, as you said, it's disappointing. But it's, to me, it's not a surprise because it's only been in the last few months or whatever that you guys have wanted to build from the back more. It's like, um, sorry to go off topic, but when England play Nick Pope in goal, He's played for teams that have generally only played long ball, and you're asking him to play from the ball at, from the ball to play with the ball from the back. He can't do it because he's not been used to it. He's just not been used to it. He's never had to do it before, so he he, he looks completely lost. And and Old Black does at time. That's why Old Black goes longer because he doesn't have the confidence. It's not what he's used to. It's not what he's been taught. He's been with you guys now for, I mean, what eight nine seasons now. And he's never had to do it because it's always been, we've got a big guy up front, whether it's Costa, Mandzukic, uh, Morata, we just kick to him. And if you don't do that in training every day, and and also you don't allow the goalkeeper to take that risk and you don't go to a black and say, I want you to try this. And if you get it wrong, if I'm the manager, I go, it's my fault because I'm asking you to do this. And as you mentioned about in the Madrid derby for the fact that, and this, is, and this is another reason why for me, Morata has to play. If you're going to go long at any stage, you're kicking it long to Griezmann and Saul, who was the main one that got the license to go up there. And they're competing against Militao and Rudiger. You're not winning. And they didn't win a single ball in the air. And you're not going to. And it goes back to my other point in terms of when you guys were wide in the Madrid derby and you only see Griezmann in there, so you don't cross the ball. You just keep passing and passing and passing and passing and passing. And then the attack breaks down and there's a chance up the other end because you don't have that actual number nine. And you're right in terms of not letting, you can't just sign any striker. There has to be that profile of player, good in the air, aggressive, someone that can, can occupy and, can, and compete with central defenders. Someone like, maybe not these individuals, but someone like... Um, Yusuf Naziri, Borja Iglesias, I think would be excellent for you guys. I really think that. I know he's not everyone's cup of tea, but I think if Simeone wants to 
have a bit more of a hybrid thing. But he, but we know, we all know that he loves to play with that that natural number nine, which I think Borker is. He's good in the air. His hold-up play and link-up play, I think, is a, is better than a lot of people think. And I, I know you guys were linked to him in January, and I was thinking, yeah, sign him. I know it will affect Betis, but sign him because he, he will be the perfect striker for Simeone. But then you guys go and get Memphis, who's a very, very good player, but he's not the Simeone type of striker that that he likes. Yeah, Kev, that's true. Um, as for the Iglesias deal, I think Betis, the fear Betis was acting for was kind of a lot for Aliti. That's 40 million. And it's not that Aliti can't pay Betis, also for the fact that, like, I I think I've recorded in past podcasts about the mismanagement, and then you have the team kind of we have to sell before we buy that type of thing. And it was kind of, it was quite impossible. And to, to, to your greatest surprise, Kelvin, many Aliti fans are not in favor of Aliti signing him. But like you said, he has the excuse to do that but i for one i'm a fan but i kind of have my fear because i think um, he is not really consistent enough to play for aleti in my opinion despite the fact that he has the skill sets to do because we saw a guy who came from espanol and he was fantastic and then he, at betis even though he was with the same coach ruby he just disappeared but yeah like you said aleti needs to go for that type of profile and just i don't know if it's possible but you have alexander Mitrovic at fulham and I, to be honest he will be a bread and butter fit into a little bit well one can can only dream and hopefully um, things turn out for the best and a little bring in someone who will fit into cholismo so Kelvin, um, the magic derby talk about the results and um, what's a draw as you said the magic derby kind of left a little frustrated because with the win they would have overtaken real so that would lost at valencia this Weekend, and as we said, the things are tight, are very tight at the top. So, generally, if we recorded this podcast before Barcelona played against Almaria and lost, we would have been seeing the title races over a bit. Well, Barcelona lost. So, what do you think? How do you think this result affect both teams in for their goals? Because you have Real Madrid for the title and Aliti for a Champions League place. Um, I think for you guys, it, it, it's a much better point because you guys are only fighting for Champions League, you're not fighting for the title. So I think it's a, a relatively positive result to to not have to not have Madrid do the double over you. I think is important for, for Real Madrid. It, it it looks a better point because of Barcelona's result in Almeria. Um, Madrid still needed to win the game, but it, it just makes that equaliser from from Alvaro even more critical. Um, it's the title race over. It's definitely not because Barcelona. Haven't been great, and as you and as you mentioned, what happened um, yesterday against Almeria could have happened five, six, seven times um, across across the season. It's just been one of those um, unfortunate things that happens. But I think it's a good point for Atleti. You're certainly improving. The form table shows that, but you just need to keep it going and just to finish as high as possible to then get rid of this season as quick as possible and and do the right things going into next season. That would be great for for La Liga if they can do that because we kind of may have a, a three-horse race next season. And, well, uh, in that regard, for the title, well, Aleti out of it already has been known for a while now. And hopefully, if it's possible, if it's possible both Barcelona and Real Madrid can, can lose the title. But that's not possible. But hopefully, they don't touch it. Um, Kelv, um, coming to La Liga, let's have several of these in La Liga. You have Sergio Camelo, 
who has been good, very, very good for Rayo. You have um, Rodrigo Rikemi and, and Samuel Lino, who are the ones who have stood out. So, Kelf, um, you have these guys are doing very well on loan, and now a little kind of needs to reshuffle in the summer. So, from what you have said, seen in La Liga as someone who is a La Liga fan and watches La Liga week in, week out, how do you or how will you profile Rodrigo Rikeme and Samuel Lino? Uh, Raquel May is is a, is a creative player. Um, a number ten, but like how how a lot of clubs in Spain have been using them, kind of a number ten that kind of plays wide on the left, but then gets freedom to 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 come inside and to and to link, and he adds goals to the team. Yeah, he, he brings goals. He's he's. Another good set piece option. You probably won't see that much if he does stay with you guys next season because of the quality of of the other set piece takers that you guys have. But um, I think he, I think if if Simeone's smart enough to keep him, which I hope to God he is, he's going to be a very. I think he's going to be an important player for you guys next season. Maybe not starting every week, but he has that ability to score from distance. You guys would have seen that because I think he scored for Girona at, at the Metropolitano. So. But he's been fantastic for Girona in, in, in a very, very good team. He just adds attacking quality. And Samuelino has been fantastic. I think he suits probably the way Cholo sees things a bit more. Um, he, he's a natural wide player, direct, takes people on. He's chipped in with goals, but does need to improve on that. He's right-footed. He likes to play from the left. Um, he worked both of them, Raquel May and Lino, both work very hard for, for the team defensively, which Simeone I think would like. And I, I think they're both very good players that, in my opinion, have to be in your squad next season. Well, I agree, and to be honest, I, I couldn't have described them any better. And for the similarities in players I have in the squad, because you have, I think, Lima, whose contract runs out this summer if I'm not mistaken, and then you have Carrasco, whose contract runs out in 2024. So, Carrasco has really been out of form this season, and, to my, and in my opinion, he is so similar to Samuel Lino, in the fact that they are both wingers who like love to dribble, they are direct, but Samuel Lino is more hardworking than him, and when it comes to finishing, they are both, I would say, they are the same. So, I don't know if it's just me, but in my opinion, Lino is so similar to Carrasco and Rodrigo Riquelme is similar to Lima. In my opinion, if I'm a lady, I'm bringing in these two guys to replace those two guys because that will kind of free up a little bit the, 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 the witch budget because you have Lino and Riquelme will not be on having the same salary as mm -hmm. Carrasco and Lima and then that gives you the possibility of signing or making a big signing like bringing in a striker. So if I'm a lady, that's what I'm going to do. So... Lema is very good, and in my opinion, he's fantastic each time he has played. But I think he has similarities to Nabi Keita in Liverpool, where you have a player with so much potential to impact the game, but then he is never available. And as for Carrasco, I just think he's way past his best. And that's why the fact that he's an analytic fan, and I would love to see him stay. But I think for the best of the team, it would be good for him to leave because him leaving will open space for Lino to play more. And as we have seen, what Lino can do at Valencia this season, like you said, he fits Cholo profile and he can do a great job. 
playing as that auxiliary left wing back, which we have seen Carrasco play this season. And as for Riquelme, he has done a great job as a white player, something Lemar has struggled with. And he has also played fantastically well as an interior when Girona has played with the back three. So, what's your opinion on Aliti replacing Carrasco and Lima next season with Kochiko Rikemi and Samuelino? I couldn't agree more with what you've said. It, it, it makes sense. You're adding quality, not the same quality, but but quality. You you, you may you may need need to be patient with both of them in the beginning, just to allow them to adapt from going where they are to playing for a club like like Athleti, but if you guys are, are patient enough, you'll see their quality. And if Simeone, if he is still there next season, gets trusts them, because I think that's a problem with Simeone and maybe a bigger problem for someone like Kameo if he comes back. I think it takes players too long to gain his trust. I've, I'm seeing it in, in some cases with, with Barrios. Um, I know I'm going on about him, but I just think he's so critical not just for your future, but for now. And um, unless he was injured, I, I couldn't understand why he was taken off at, at the weekend. But but I think, as you've mentioned, yeah, Lino and Raquel may are, are good options to replace Lamar and, and Carrasco. As you said, Lamar's been very good, probably better centrally than out wide. But as you said, there's a, there's a problem with with his availability, and and as you said, Carrasco has been fantastic for you guys. I mean, last season he was your best player by a country mile, and um, I think he's not happy for the fact that I think he asked for a contract renewal in the summer with with higher wages because of of how well he was playing, and you guys didn't give it to him, and I think that's had an effect on him. So, yeah, it, it makes sense to replace Carrasco and Lamar with with Raquel May and, and Lino. But will Atleti do that in the summer? I I honestly don't know. Well, if Aliti were Brighton, then it is certain that <laughs> that is what's going to happen in the summer. But well, Aliti is Aliti. <laughs> One of the, I think, let me not say a bad, a, the worst run club, but it's uh, among that level. And um, Kev, um, so I have uh, so we have two things left. We have to talk about okay. The first I'm going to go. What are your what are your positions for the top four and the sorry? What are your positions for the European places and the those who will be relegated? Uh oh, I mean, Barca, Real, Atleti. I think will be one, two, and three because Real Sociedad. A few weeks ago, you'd say they were guaranteed for fourth or being in the top four, but their form has taken a bit of a um, a bit of a drop. Only one win in their last five, but I think it'll be them or Betis that get it, and then one of those two will be be fifth, sixth, and seventh. Oh, that's tough. It's so competitive. I'm I'm gonna go. I'm going to go Athletic and Rio. I think Athletic will get sixth and I think Rio will get seventh. So I think Osasuna have got a great shout though for European football as well. And the real tough question, well, apart from Elche, who's going to, who's going to go down? Um, oh, blimey, that's so difficult. Um, <laughs> I actually think, I, I think Elche will go, well, that's silly because we all know Elche are going down. <laughs> Um, I think I think I think I would go then Getafe. Ooh. 
I think for the quality they've got, they should be doing a lot better. But and who's going to be the other one? It's so difficult to call. It's so difficult. Uh, I've got. <laughs> I know they've just beaten Barcelona, but I'm, I'm going to really? go. I'm going to go Possibly Valencia, but I'm going to go Almeria. Well, well. Surprise! You didn't pick Real Valladolid, but well, it is what it is. And so basically, you are staying with the current bottom three, and maybe Almeria replacing yes. Valencia. But to be honest. Valencia staying in La Liga will be great, and I have no problem with that. But well, maybe them going down may be good for their future because you kind of have maybe limb living, but we never know. One never knows. So, Kevin, okay, my last question before we come to the end of the podcast, I, um, one thing I've noticed in Spanish football is the fact that you have so many clubs with good projects, like that of Real Sudan and the rest. And but the issue is those projects kind of have, um, I would say. A limit and that's that to the fact that the finances in La Liga but I also think not just the finances but I think the owners also kind of make that limit a reality in the fact that um, let's take uh, I would say a club like Villarreal for example they hire Emery they have a good project everything is advancing I know the Premier League came and spoiled that but then they have a limit because they cannot spend and achieve the next goal they have to just constantly be going there gradually but i think when i say the owners kind of um, put a limit is the fact that la liga the owners don't want to take risks i think la liga in my opinion is the most risk adverse league in the top five leagues i don't know if this is down to maybe uh let having an impact but when i say risk adverse you have a league in which um i think most of the clubs prefer buying i would say um Players who they are confident in, like let's say the, the veterans, like the players above 30, and they don't give a lot of like chances to players in the lower categories. And that kind of kind of bothers me because if you look at minutes given to maybe under 21 player, I think you have La Liga among the last. So, what's your opinion on that? Because I feel like the owners can do more, but I know we have very bad owners like Italian and the rest, but I feel like it's true La Liga can do more to promote the league financially, but I feel like the owners, they themselves can do more because they are so risk adverse. I know taking a higher risk kind of maybe few things, but having a balance is key because bringing in young and those experienced players is key because if you look at every season, the clubs will always fight for relegation. Three, I don't want to say 3.5 quarter because they don't exist, but I will say that let's say 99 out of 100 signings, they make a veterans. So, do you, what is your opinion on that and how it affects the league? Um, you made a lot of valid points. Um, I do think not every club is risk-averse when you look at, uh, at teams like Osasuna, who promote their youngsters extremely well. Girona have been fantastic in their recruitment, picking up lots of... Again, they've brought a couple of experienced players in, like Correa Romeu, but they've got they've had youngsters like Raquel May and Castellanos and and, and Miguel Gutierrez, who's come from from Madrid. Uh, I, I do agree that that um, La Liga is a bit more risk averse than than the other leagues. Um, I agree that the owners and sporting directors can probably do better, but the main thing they the main thing they've got to do rather than necessarily signing younger players even though that helps is a lot of it for me is because the quality is there is just telling the coach we've got we've got good young players here use them 
take the pressure off the coach a bit by going, yeah, we may lose a couple of games more than, than, than we should do, but that's fine because we're playing younger players. And I think Girona have had good success in doing that, and they're quite high in the table. Osasuna have had great success under Arizate, and they can get into Europe. So maybe because teams are st- a couple of teams are starting to do that and do it well, you may see the trend of other teams going, actually, yeah, we've got young players here that can be used in the first team. And to get minutes, and as you said, to find that balance a bit more. And you said that there's nothing wrong with, with signing one or two older guys, particularly if you're new, a newly promoted team, because you need that um, experience. I think Al Maria, you, we mentioned, uh, you mentioned Al Bayer Traore, who they bought in the summer. I think he's only 20, 21 years old. So I think, there's, I think there is a, a bit of a tide turning. Of course, these things always take take their time. You can't do things like that overnight. And just quickly, one thing on the on the La Liga financial rules. Um, I actually like them. Um, maybe they need to be tweaked a little bit and to not to maybe be not as complicated and to be a bit just to just to fine tune it a bit. But I like the idea. I really hope it comes into fruition in the Premier League. Um, because I, I actually think that, um, number one, I don't think clubs should just spend whatever. I think there has to be um, an intelligence and spending your money wisely, which some of the, which I think a lot of the clubs do in Spain, but just not the big ones. Um, so I think that has to happen more. And I think, you know, 10 years ago, there was God knows how many players in Spain not being paid their their wages, and that and that was the main reason why this rule came in. So I know people criticise it to be like, oh, La Liga can't compete in the Premier League. No one financially can compete with the Premier League. Don't, in my opinion, I know this sounds bad. Don't even try. Do not even try. Just do your own thing. Make your league better, which I think La Liga has done. When you look at everything, and I like the fact that, and I, and this is no offence to you guys, particularly to Barca and Real, that they don't have the power anymore. Tebas, you can like him, dislike him. He gets lots of things. He gets lots of things wrong. But I love the fact that he's gone to Barcelona and Madrid and gone. No, these are our rules. Get on with it. Madrid have adapted far better in in this case than than Barca. But I like the fact he's gone to Barca and gone. No, these are the rules. They apply for every club in the league, and you abide by them. If you can't manage your finances properly, that's your problem. And I know Laporta can turn around and say, I wasn't here. That's irrelevant. It's completely and utterly irrelevant. And you've had the opportunity to fix the finances and you've made it worse by spending even more money and, the, and being knocked out of the Champions League at the group stages. And it goes back to my original point of clubs need to be um, told to spend their money properly. And I like the fact that La Liga is the only league that's actually doing that. And I'm, and I'm hopeful that the others will follow. Because when the others, if the others follow, a lot of this criticism will um, won't happen. Yeah, exactly. And if that happens, and the other leagues copy, I think we'll see, we we'll see. I, I think a sustainable growth for clubs, and we will stop seeing less and less of maybe a newly promoted club kind of spending all those type of spending more than he has, and then who never knows. So, hopefully, like you said, clubs can spend better, and Premier League can spend better, and 
maybe become the Borussia Dortmund of La Liga. When I say so, I mean in the fact that they make the most of the league because I was quite happy in January. I literally with Anu Martinez and then kind of. So if I were Alexi, to be honest, if we can like sort many of our problems from the league, sign Anu Martinez, Alex Garcia from Girona, that's yeah. kind of weakening the league in a type of way. But, but well, that's sustainable spending because you spend less for good quality players. So Kelf, it's been fantastic chatting with you and. We just started and it just went on and on. And to be honest, it's great having you on the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much. It's uh, it's always great to to get the opportunity to to speak to you. So uh, I can't thank you enough. Well, Kev, to be honest, each time I speak with you, I, to be honest, I just get amazed at how knowledgeable you are of not just things on on the pitch but also off the pitch because on the pitch I'm there better off the pitch i'm trying to improve so thank you very much because to be honest i kind of learned a lot from you as well same here thank you very much so guys it's been great it's been great having you listen to the podcast and remember nunca deha decree never stop believing <laughs>